All right. Good morning, church. <laughs> um, welcome. For those of you who haven't heard by now or don't know, my name is Raf, and uh, for one, one more day, I am student pastor here at Journey Church. Um, you know, as most of you obviously have heard, uh, God has called my wife Misty and I to, uh, to Raleigh, North Carolina, uh, to, to join a, a church called uh, Relentless Church. And uh, one of the cool things about that for, for us um, is that Journey Church um, was a sending church for Relentless. So, so Journey Church, you all here, and, and again, like Tony said, what you just, what, what you just participated in, you, you guys uh, were, were um, instrumental in founding Relentless Church. And, and the cool part of that for me, at least, where I find some pieces, is that my family and I are going to a sister church. So we're kind of keeping it in the family a little bit. That's, uh, that made me feel a little bit better. Um, but um, as excited as we are to embark on that next step in our journey, uh, it's a little bit uh, bittersweet. And, and I'm not going to lie, this week has been a little emotional for me, all right, as I, as I thought about how much this church has meant to, to me and my family, um, as I thought about even looking now at all the people uh, who have impacted us and, and, and influenced us and blessed us in this church, um, you know, encouraged us and believed in us over the last few years, uh, it's, it's, it's been emotional. And honestly, I would love nothing more than to stand up here and acknowledge each and every one of you by name and go into stories about how you've impacted us and blessed us. And um, if I could, I'd use up all my time doing that today. But unfortunately, uh, we, I, I can't. <laughs> and, and that's A. But B, um, even if, even if I, I could, I don't know that I can make it through it. <laughs> so I'm not, I don't cry often. I don't, uh, it takes a lot to bring me to tears. But when I do, it's ugly. It's not pretty. <laughs> Y'all don't want to see that. All right, so, so I'm just going to say this um, up front, and then hopefully we can get it out of the way, and we'll, we'll get into why we came today. Uh, but just thank you. Thank you all. Thank you so much for, uh, for, for, for believing in, in me as a young Christian with no ministry experience, for giving me a chance. Thank you for trusting me to, to lead your students over the past uh, four years. Thank you for, uh, for, for loving me and my family, for loving our kids, for investing in, in me and, and um, just for being a church that I'm so proud to call my home. Thank you. From the bottom of my heart, on behalf of my entire family, thank you, and, and we love you. We love you. All right? Thank you. So now we got that out of the way, I'm going to preach. Is that all right with you all? Can I preach? All right. All right. Last week, Randy kicked off a brand new series called Monday is Coming. Monday's coming. And, and uh, in case you missed it, here's the, the big idea. Here's kind of the concept behind this whole um, idea that Monday's coming. In the church world, we have a saying we say all the time. Um, since, since the moment I came on staff until to this day, there's not a week that goes by I don't say this or hear it around the church. Sunday's coming. Sunday's coming. You know, it's coming quicker than you know. Sunday's coming because everything that we do um, is, is building towards. It's focused on. It's, it's about uh, this Sunday morning experience, okay? And so, so we get wrapped up in Sunday's coming all the time. And, and uh, it's well-intentioned, and I think it's, it's, it's uh, for good reason because this is when we gather to worship, right? We come together. We worship the Lord on Sunday. We believe and we pray for, and, and we really do believe that, that the Spirit of the Lord is in this place and that he meets us here every Sunday, okay? Um, we, I've seen personally lives changed on Sunday mornings, okay? Literally, I've seen, I've, I've been a part of people coming from, from, from death to life on Sundays. And so Sunday's a big deal. It, it really is. But we, we also kind of were hit with the reality that, um, you know, for the average person sitting out there in those seats, for, for you all, every weekend, Monday's coming. Monday's coming, right? And, and, and I can relate to that because as a, as a young Christian, so much of my journey was defined by that reality, 
Monday's coming. I felt great on Sunday, guys, but, but Monday was coming, and I, and I was worried I wasn't ready for it, okay? Um, you know, I, I've shared my, my story over the years, various different times. Uh, briefly, I'll just touch on it now. I didn't, I grew up in Boston. I didn't grow up a Christian. My family didn't go to church. I was not a believer until I met my wife, Misty, and, uh, you know, we, we dated for, for about three years or so when things got really serious and, and decided, hey, we, we're talking about a future and marriage and a family, um, and, and she, she kind of laid it out for me pretty plainly. I cannot spend the rest of my life with a man who, who does not know and love Jesus, and so I had to do some serious soul service. Searching. And, uh, and I ended up, you know, agreeing to go to church with her. We attended this church, local church that she had been attending in Boston uh, called Reunion Christian Church. And, uh, and I was saved at Reunion Christian Church in Boston the summer of 2010. Shortly after that, we moved here to, to Versailles, Kentucky. And we started attending this church. And, and, uh, and I, when I tell you, I mean, we felt so welcome. Doors were open wide. People hugged me, make, you know, uh, everyone was like, you're not from around here, are you? Like, I can't tell you how many times I heard that. But, but it was still, like, loved and embraced. And, and, and you guys made me a part of your family here. But, uh, you know, shortly after getting engaged here at this church, I felt God calling me to take my next step and be baptized in, in obedience. And I hadn't gotten baptized even though I was saved months earlier because, quite frankly, I was scared. I, was, I, had, I had a lot of hang-ups about baptism. I knew I was a sinner, and I believed that God saved me in that moment at that church in Boston, but I also was afraid that, man, when I get baptized, like when I make that decision and come out of that water and make that commitment, like I make, I'm on Jesus' team. Like I've declared myself, and I was afraid, what happens next if I sin? What happens if I mess up now? Because I'm already a mess up. But, but when I say I'm with Jesus and then I mess up, what's going to happen? And so I had a lot of hang-ups about that. And, uh, you know, I, I sat with, I remember like it was yesterday, sitting with, with Randy, our, our senior pastor. I sat in his office and, uh, and I shared with him what I was feeling. Um, and, and he opened up the Bible and he pointed me to a scripture uh, that I'll never forget. And it, it just opened my eyes. It was 1 John chapter 2, verse 1. It says, My dear children, I am writing this to you so that you will not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate who pleads our case before the Father. He is Jesus Christ, the one who is truly righteous. Man, I, he read that to me, and, and instantly I got this picture, this image of, 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 of God in heaven sitting on the throne and Jesus sitting at his right hand, just whispering in his ear, pleading my case, right, just going to bat for me. And that gave me peace, and, and I understood fully, or more fully, I should say, God's grace and what Jesus really did accomplish for me on the cross. And so that following Sunday, it was in April 2011, I was baptized right there in that, in that pool. Um, and... and <laughs> I felt great. I got to tell you, when I came out of that water, I was on top of the world. I mean, I might as well have been bulletproof. <laughs> Nothing could stop me. I was on top of the world. And the day I got baptized, I came out of that water. But then a funny thing happened because I felt amazing for, for a little while. Then Monday came and the enemy came knocking and temptation started creeping in. And, and, and I don't know if, if this has been your experience or if it's just me, but it seems like whenever I experience a spiritual high, it's inevitably followed by a, a spiritual low, right? And, and the reason for that is because spiritual warfare is real. Amen. It's real. The enemy is very real. The, uh, 1 Peter 5.8 says, your enemy, the lion, prowls around like a, uh, your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. He's, he's real. And so um, if we want to take what we experience here on Sunday... Because, again, I, I, I felt great on Sunday, guys. Sunday, I feel good. Sunday, I am full of joy and peace and, and praise and worship. Like Sunday mornings, I'm walking in freedom. But if we want to take that feeling with us into our, our Monday 
and carry it through to Friday and hopefully wake up on Saturday morning without any regrets, we're going to need some help, right? We're going to need some help. At least I know I did. Because Monday is when the reality of life sets in. Monday is, is when you remember that, that that job you go to every day is unfulfilling. Monday is when you remember that, uh, you know, you go back to stressing about paying bills. It's when you realize, man, all my friends or my coworkers or pretty much everyone else in my life isn't l- trying to live the same way I am. They're following the world, not following the word. And, and, and man, that looks like it's more fun. And then Tuesday is more the same. Come Wednesday, um, if you're, again, if you're anything like me, that to-do list that was already a mile long, it's getting longer and longer, and you feel like you haven't accomplished anything, and, and then, uh, you know, you get home from, from, from a long, hard day's work, and, and, and it occurs to you, you start feeling guilty because it occurs to you, man, I haven't spent nearly as much quality time with my kids as I really want to or, or need to, but quite frankly, like, I'm not in the phrase of my, frame of mind right now. If, I, if, 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 if I'm being completely honest, all I really want to do is pick them up and place them in a soundproof room, preferably padded, so they can go off the walls and not hurt each other, close the door, sit on the couch and just check out, right? Just zone out. That's what I really want to do. And it's only Wednesday. It's only Wednesday. By the, by the time the weekend rolls around, there's barely even a trace of evidence that Sunday ever even happened in your life. Again, I don't know if you are. It sounds like some of y'all can relate to that, right? That it's not just me. Um, but that was my story for a season of life as a young Christian. Okay, trying to figure out what it means to follow Jesus outside of these walls Monday through Saturday. Um, and, and by God's grace and with the help of some amazing people here in this church, uh, I found a better way. And that's what I wanted to share with you all this morning. Um, through the perspective of this whole idea that Monday's coming, right? Monday's coming. Specifically, I want to talk about three things. Three things that helped me get from Sunday to Saturday. Three things that helped transform me from a, from a guy with the Jesus habit one day a week to, to a full-fledged, all-in follower of Jesus, faith-filled every single day, okay? And I believe, I've been praying that, that um, if you embrace these things in your life, God will do the same for you. So um, full disclosure, just to say, uh, this, this list could be a lot longer than three things. God used a lot of, of things, but, but um, as I thought about and looked back on my story, these are the three that I felt like God wanted me to share with you all today, again, through this lens. Monday's coming. Monday's coming. So first one, Monday's coming, so get community. Monday's coming, so get community. We're going to talk uh, specifically uh, about the importance of community a little bit later on in this series, and so I don't want to step on that. I'm not going to go too into it, but I did want to share just a little bit about my personal journey, my personal um, story of uh, an experience of community in this church, and that's through small groups. Okay, for those of you who don't know, small groups uh, are, are exactly what it sounds like, a, a group of people who meet here outside of Sundays, okay, uh, maybe 6, 8, 10, 12. I've been in one that was as big as tw- 20. We had to, we had to uh, multiply, but, but um, man, it's, it's basically doing life with other people who are kind of going through the same stuff you are. And so you get together and you study the Bible together and we share food together and we share stories and talk about the hard things about life and the good things about life and pray for each other. And it's a way to just, um, you know, practically apply what God's trying to do in our life past Sundays. And, and so small groups for me, man, they kept me connected throughout the week. I've always, this is random, but I've always been in a small group that met on Wednesday nights. And for me, that was perfect. I think God knew what he was doing because it's right in the middle of the week. And just when I was feeling like I couldn't take it anymore, I had something to pull me back in, right? Every Wednesday, I looked forward to my small group. They kept me connected, connected to God, connected to other believers who were also trying to follow him. 
Um, it, 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 the small groups where I learn how to apply God's word to my life to reading the Bible with other people and hearing what they think about a verse and how God's using it on them and, 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 and batting it back and forth. And I saw that, that, that Bible, it really is living and breathing and active because I started moving in people's lives. Um, I learned that in small group. I had, have, have um, man, gotten friendships that are going to be forever, like people who, who have blessed my life. And, 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 man, I can't imagine life without them. I met them in, in small group. Uh, this is where I learned accountability. I had some brothers that I've been in group with for years who, man, I can share and be honest about what's going on in my heart, the ugly stuff that's deep down that I don't want to tell anyone. I can share with them, and they help hold me accountable. So throughout the week, they'll shoot me a text and say, man, how's your heart, bro? How, how's your eyes? How are you living? Are you staying on the path? Because the Bible says iron sharpens iron. And so that's what we do in, in, in small group. And, and I also learned the power of prayer. Because uh, when you have a group of people that you meet with every week that you know love you and love Jesus, and they're praying for you, committed to praying for you regularly, and you're doing the same for them, man, God moves through that. Amen. He moves through that. So, so if you want, um, the bottom line is I, I just, I could not, it would not be where I am today if it wasn't for the small groups that we have been a part of through this church in the last seven years. Uh, and, and, and I came to tell somebody, if you want your Sunday faith to carry over into your Monday, one of the best things you can do is get community. All right, you need other people that love Jesus, that love you, who can encourage and inspire and challenge you and come alongside you, who will celebrate you with you and mourn with you when the occasion comes up, because you weren't meant to do this life alone. You weren't meant to do this life alone. You were created for community. And the reason I know that is because that's how Jesus lived his life. Okay, First uh, John 2, 6, whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. If you, if you claim to be a Christian, if you want to be a Jesus follower, your life must look like Jesus is. You should do the things he did and live as he lived, okay? Well, Jesus modeled community. He modeled community with his life. The majority of Jesus' time, as we see his life as depicted throughout the Gospels, the majority of his time was spent in community with other people. He lived with them. He, he slept with them. He ate with them. He shared with them. He cried with them, laughed with them, studied with them, served with them. He did life together in community, and he's calling us to do the same thing, to live as he lived. Monday's coming, so get community. That's the first thing I wanted to share, okay? Second thing, Monday's coming, so give your life away. Monday's coming, so give your life away. There's, a, there's a, a few different, a couple different levels, layers to this. I'll start with the first and most obvious one, giving, okay? We serve a giving God. He holds nothing back from us, nothing, not even his son, Jesus Christ. And we are created in his image. We're image bearers of the one true God, which, so it only makes sense. If he's a generous God, that he's calling us to be generous people as well, right? That just makes sense. And it's not because he wants anything from us, but because of what he wants for us and what he wants to do in us and through us. And, and so, yes, um, giving financially is a, is a part of that, okay? We're not going to be shy about that. We're not going to be scared of that, okay? I would challenge you if you've never participated in this. The Bible says, test me in this. God says, test me in this and see if I don't bless you and bless others through your generosity. And so I would just encourage you to do that. Okay, that's 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 just part of it, man, and it's an important part. But I think Jesus also wants us to be generous in every way, okay, in every way. So, so the next thing I wanted to talk about was was serving, serving, being a part of a team. I cannot emphasize enough what an impact serving others through the local church has had on my faith. Okay, when 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 I started using my God-given talents, the things that God uh, put inside me, the passion that He gave me, when I started using that to meet the needs of others around me, my faith skyrocketed. 
it did. It, it, it took off because all of a sudden it wasn't just about me anymore. I, was, I, I realized I was a part of something connected to something bigger than myself. And, and man, God used that to, to fulfill me. He gave my life a whole new meaning because I can see him moving. I could see him working. I saw the fruit in the lives of other people around me, man. And, that, and I just, again, it excited me and it grew my faith. And I want that for, for you all. Okay, I wanted to mention those two things, giving and serving, because they are two of the biggest things God used to transform my heart. Okay, um, but, but I need you all to understand that I'm also talking about literally giving your life away. Literally giving your life away. I'll show you what I mean. Luke chapter 9, verses 23 and 24. It says, then he said to the crowd, this is Jesus, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way. Take up your cross daily and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. Give your life away. Give your life away. Put down yourself and pick up Jesus. Okay, that's what it means to, to take up your cross. It means to, to put down yourself, to put down your desires, your wants, your needs, and to pick up the desires and the wants in the direction of Jesus. Put down you. Pick up Jesus. All right, it means literally that I'm, I'm, I'm stepping out of wrath, and I'm going to step into Jesus Christ. Okay? And Jesus says when you do this, that's when you find life. That's when you truly live. And this is, uh, it's not a one-time decision. <laughs> if it was, it'd be easy, right? If it was, we could all do it. All right, I'm, I'm laying down myself. I'm picking up Jesus. I'm, I'm picking up my cross. Let's go, right? But Jesus says daily, daily, you've got to wake up every day and repeat, make the decision. I'm going to choose Jesus today just like I did yesterday, and I'm going to do it tomorrow and the day after that, or else it doesn't work, okay, daily. And so that makes it really hard to do, right? Not going to lie. That's a hard thing to do, which is why my last point, and by far the most important thing I came to share with you this morning is this. Monday's coming, so remember the gospel. Amen. Monday's coming, so remember the gospel. The only way you can successfully give your life away, like the, the reason you would deny yourself daily and pick up your cross, okay, is, is, is because you remember the gospel. That's got to be your motivation. That's the only way it happens. So, so when I say remember the gospel, I mean that in two ways, okay, two ways. We're going to talk about them both. The first one is personal, all right? Remember the gospel that saved you. Amen. Remember the gospel that saved you, literally, literally. If you're a Christian, I'm talking to you right now. If you are a believer, a follower of Jesus, remember who you were before you met Jesus. The apostle Paul says that in, in Ephesians chapter 2 that, that we were dead in our trespasses and sins, but God. Two of the most beautiful words in all of scripture, but God, because it means I was in this condition, then God stepped in, and now I have hope. Now I have a future, right? But God stepped in and changed everything. But God, being rich in mercy, made us alive in Christ. It is by grace you have been saved. And then we get the money verse, right? Check it out, verses 8 to 10. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. I didn't earn it. I couldn't, even if I tried on my best day, as good as I am, I can't do it, okay? And, and, and I certainly do not deserve it. Amen. It is a gift of God, not a result of work, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Amen? Amen. Man, such a powerful scripture from the Apostle Paul. And it, 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 I was reminded this week, Paul, in his letters, he was constantly reminding the church, remember, 
He was telling them, remember, remember, don't forget. Remember Jesus. Remember what he did for you personally. Remember how he changed your life, how he transformed your heart. And remember that, that it was all Jesus, right? That, that it was not you. You didn't earn it. You had nothing to do with it. It was him and only him. Remember, don't forget it. Don't forget it. And, and, and how quick are we to forget, really? Like, let's be honest. There's a reason Paul was constantly reminding these churches and reminding us is because we are so quick to forget. How, how soon after singing songs of praise here on Sunday morning are you ready to cuss out a coworker on Monday who you're mad at? Or, or, or flip off someone who cuts you off in traffic. Seriously, how, how long after God showed up in, in some miraculous way for you, okay, did, did, did it take for you to find yourself in another situation where you're wondering, man, does he even exist? Like, has he forgotten me? Where are you, God? Or, or how about the first time you did sin after your baptism? The first time you fell down or messed up or made a mistake after accepting Jesus as your Lord and Savior? How long did it take for that guilt and shame to, to settle in? And for the enemy to creep into your ear and start whispering, man, you're not new. You haven't changed at all. You haven't been made new. You're the same old you, and you're always going to be that way. Or, or for those of you who've been Christians for a really long time, maybe you grew up in church, you, you've been following Jesus your whole life. Let me ask you this. How long did it take before you forgot what it felt like to be on the outside looking in? Remember. Remember the gospel. Remember that, that, that you were once separated from God for eternity, and that broke his heart so much so that he decided to send his son, Jesus Christ, to die on a cross so that you can come back home to him. Amen. Romans 5.8 says, God showed his love. He proved his love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, he sent Jesus to the cross. While you were in your, your, the middle of your mess, on your worst day, full of sin, Jesus went to die for you. Remember that. Remember I was, I was at a ministry event last month, and I, and I heard this statistic that just blew my mind. I'm going to share it with you all. Did you know that less than 2% of people invited to church are invited by someone who has been a Christian for six years or longer? Less than 2% invited by someone who's been a Christian six years or longer. Okay, he followed that up with another statistic. Over 90% of the people invited to church were invited by someone who's been a Christian less than one year. Less than, less than one year. What's that mean? Let those numbers sink in, right? The longer you're following Jesus, the less you're reaching out and telling other people. The only people who are doing it are new Christians because it's fresh, right? Remember, remember. Because if we believe what we say we believe as Christians, right? That, that, not that, that we were uh, bad people who've been made good, but that we were dead people who, ha who have been risen back to life by the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. If we really do believe that, then there can only be one reason for those statistics. Amen. We've forgotten. We've forgotten. You've forgotten the gospel that saved you. Amen. Remember. Remember the gospel that saved you. That's the first part, okay? That's personal. Number two, second part. Remember the gospel is bigger than you. Amen. Remember the gospel is bigger than you. A lot of times we take that scripture, Ephesians 2, uh, verses 8 to 10, and we make it personal, right? Which it is. I just told you it was personal, okay? The gospel that saved you is personal. God is a personal God, and, and he's for you, and he loves you, and he wants a personal relationship with you. That's all true, and it's very real, but it doesn't end there. It doesn't stop there. The gospel is bigger than you. It's bigger than you. It's more than just getting you to heaven, okay? But, but if we stop there, if we stop at verse 10, that's what we're reducing it to. 
And so, it, it's, again, it's much bigger than that, and I want to show it to you. So we're going to read the rest of, of uh, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 11 to 22. I'll have it up on the screens. It's going to be in the, in the message translation, because I really like the way Eugene Peterson lays it out for us, all right? But let, let, let's check it out, starting in verse 11. But don't take any of this for granted. It was only yesterday that you outsiders to God's ways had no idea of any of this. Didn't know the first thing about the way God works. Hadn't the faintest idea of Christ. You knew nothing of that rich history of God's covenants and promises in Israel. Hadn't a clue about what God was doing in the world at large. Now, because of Christ dying that death, shedding that blood, you who were once out of it altogether are in on everything. Let me just give you a little bit of context of what's, what's happening here, okay? This is uh, just the, the world that Paul is living in, the church he's addressing, what's going on, okay? Paul is writing to the church at Antioch. And, and when he says, uh, you outsiders, he's talking to the Gentiles, okay? Now, Gentiles are, are, are um, anyone who is not Jewish. Anyone who is not Jewish is, is a Gentile. Here's why that's important. Because for most of their existence, okay, the, the Jewish people had experienced enslavement, racism, brutality, and oppression at the hands of Gentiles, okay? People like the, the Egyptians, the Assyrians, Babylonians, Macedonians, Romans, Greeks, okay? Most Jews hated Gentiles, okay? They, they, they viewed them as pagans and as idolaters. And, and, and quite frankly, the, the, the same was on the opposite side, okay? The feeling was mutual. Many Gentiles also believed that Jews were less than human, okay? So the world, the world in Paul's day, the culture that he is addressing is filled with racism, sexism, division, injustice, and oppression. Does that sound similar to anyone in 2017? I'm just saying the Bible is real and it's relevant. This is the context that Paul is addressing. This is what's going on in the world around him, okay? Let's continue. Verse 14, the Messiah has made things up between us so that we're now together on this both non-Jewish outsiders and Jewish insiders. He tore down the wall we used to keep each other at a distance. He repealed the law code that had become so clogged with fine print and, and footnotes that it hindered more than it helped. Then he started over. Instead of continuing with two groups of people separated by centuries of animosity and suspicion, he created a new kind of human being, a fresh start for everybody. Christ brought us together through his death on the cross. The cross got us to embrace and that was the end of the hostility. Christ came and preached peace to you outsiders and peace to us insiders. He treated us as equals and so made us equals. Through him, we both share the same spirit and have equal access to the Father. Paul says Jews and Gentiles were divided by, by hostility, at odds with one another, separated for, for, because of centuries of hatred and animosity, hundreds of years of hating each other, okay? But then he reminds us, that because of Jesus, because of the cross, not only do we now have peace with God in heaven, but we now also have the ability to have peace with each other here on earth. This is a huge deal. It's a huge proclamation about the gospel from the Apostle Paul. In a world seemingly consumed with hate, racism, division, God brought peace in the person of Jesus Christ. And that peace is so big, so beautiful, so perfect, so, so all-consuming, so irresistible, so powerful that it brought Jews and Gentiles, okay, sworn enemies, lifelong enemies together. He made them one. He made them one. A new kind of human being, Paul says, a family 
that would become a living example of God's plan to invade the world with his peace, to bring a little slice of heaven down to earth. I'll show you how he finishes it up, all right? Last four verses, starting in 19. That's plain enough, isn't it? You're no longer wandering exiles. This kingdom of faith is now your home country. You're no longer strangers or outsiders. You belong here with as much right to the name Christian as anyone. God is building a home. He's using us all, irrespective of how we got here and what he is building. He used the apostles and prophets for the foundation. Now he's using you, fitting you in brick by brick, stone by stone, with Christ Jesus as the cornerstone that holds all the parts together. We see it taking shape day after day, a holy temple built by God. All of us built into it, a temple in which God is quite at home. Man, this... This kingdom church, how many of you know this, this kingdom that Paul is describing, this new home, this temple, it's, it's the church. Guys, it's the church. It's us. It's us. It's not a building that he's describing. It's you and it's me. It's, it's the church God's way, the way it was always supposed to be, okay? Big and beautiful and diverse and transcendent, all-encompassing, all-inclusive, okay? A snapshot of heaven here on earth. This is at the heart of the gospel, It's bigger than you. It's more than personal. The local church, us, we, we're it. We're God's plan. His grand prototype to display to the world how humanity is supposed to love one another. We're it. We've got to remember. Remember the gospel. Remember that it saved you. Remember that it's bigger than you. You are a part of God's plan. This house he built wasn't just to keep us safe. It was to flip it on the outside and show the world this is what it's supposed to be like. Remember the gospel. Bow your heads, would you? I want to pray for you. Father, thank you so much for this reminder. Thank you for the Apostle Paul who never let up telling us to remember, God. I pray that we would do the same, that we would take his lead. Thank you for your son, Jesus, what he did on the cross, what that accomplished, Lord, personally for me and for every person in this room who's made the decision to put their faith in him, God. I pray for those who who haven't made that decision yet. As we transition to a a time of uh, communion, I want to share with everyone in the room, for those of you who are Christians, this is something we do every week. You're probably familiar with it. We take a, a piece of a, a bread. We take a cup of juice. And, and these things are, are symbols. They're emblematic of, of Jesus' body that was broken for us and, 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 and his blood that was spilled for us. And really what this is is a time for us to remember. To remember. Truly. Let that seep in your heart. For those of you who, who maybe you're new, you're a guest, maybe you don't know how you, what you think about this whole Jesus thing, that's cool. I'm so glad you're here. I would invite you. God spoke to me for the very first time. I got saved in a moment like this. When I, when I was bold enough to just step out and say, God, if you're real, reveal yourself to me. If this is real, show me. So I encourage you to do that. Don't feel like you have to take the, the cup or the bread. Um, but, but take this time and, and, and personally, I would invite you, ask God to reveal himself to you. That gospel is for you. 
Jesus went to the cross for you. Don't leave here without having that conversation with him. God, we love you. We praise you. We thank you for this this time and for this reminder. Again, it's in Jesus' name. Amen.